welcome back to Chad and Steve Have a Podcast. Now that we are fully into the holiday season, we wanted to have Arne and Carlos back on the show to talk about Christmas traditions in Norway, as well as their own personal Christmas traditions. Something tells me there's food and knitting involved, but mostly we wanted to catch up with two of our favorite guests and chat about life, their YouTube channel, and find out just how many knitted Christmas balls they've made. Oh, and breaking news. We want to find out why Carlos recently tried to burn the house down. So uh, pull up a comfortable chair by the fireplace and join us as we sit and maybe knit for a bit. Hey, Arnie and Carlos, it's great to have you back on the show. Nice to be here. Nice to be here. Hi. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff that we want to get through, but I think we're going to start right there. Uh, and this first question is directed towards Arne. Do you trust Carlos with matches any longer? No, never. I'm, I'm officially a pyromaniac now. Um, and there's a second story that nobody knows. Yeah, it was lit in the the fire still. Yeah, because we came, we were. It was so cold. The electricity was gone, and it was very cold in the house. And then he was trying to lit the fire and so I was outside because I had to look for windows from the greenhouse because the wind took two of them. So I was looking all over for those windows and suddenly I hear someone screams like, the house is burning, the house is burning and I freaked out and it's like, what's happening? Are you, like, I screamed fire. I didn't fire, scream fire, fire or something. Yeah, it's burning or something. And I, I just dropped everything and run into the house and there's like this little piece, you know, we have these things like, um, with the sawdust that like is rolled up and you put that in the fire to lit, lit the Oh, right. And one of these mm-hmm. that he had lit dropped on the floor in front of the oven. And but I there's like a metal thing there yeah. to protect these things from, from happening. And he freaked out. Yeah, I so panicked. It, was, it, <laughs> it wasn't a big deal, but no. I was really shocked. So, again, <laughs> again. <laughs> so I'm staying away from uh, I'm staying away from the fire now, which is ironic because I bought four. There's this. My parents moved to Sweden. Uh, they used to live in Spain. My dad is Swedish. My mom is Spanish. They're now living in in Sweden, and they moved to the south of Sweden, Sweden to this really beautiful area. Uh, it's a lovely peninsula, and they live next to this factory that makes uh, the best candles in the world. And I bought 400 candles. And I'm not allowed to you light them anymore. So, um. <laughs> and that was the that was the candle that you were lighting in the video. This is your most recent video. And it was already the very beginning of the video. I guess we should tell people. And so you're you're lighting these candles as a tradition. It's like a, a part yeah. of the advent. And we have this right? really bad habit of uh, when we light a match, we put it back in the box. We kind of do this. We always do. And that. then we put it in the box. And um, <laughs> and our matches in Norway are supposed to be safe. I mean, you can't you can't take a match and light it you know like go against a wall and light it you know there's they are protected so we never thought that uh, something like that could actually happen with a norwegian safety match so it was actually very shocking um and um i well, we've been reading yeah, we've been reading comments from uh, our um, our viewers and um, i am now um leaning towards getting one of those long things that you press the button oh the lighters oh yeah a lighter yeah <laughs> So I'm not going to be doing matches anymore. Uh, that video uh, was talking about Advent. And we uh, here in North America have what I'm probably assuming is like a deconstructed view of what a traditional 
Norway Christmas might be or what Advent is. So for those of us who don't know, could you explain a little bit about the time leading up to Christmas and the significance of it? Yeah, I mean, we can start by, I mean, if we go through, if we say Scandinavia, because it makes more sense to talk about uh, Sweden, Norway, and Denmark as, as, as one area. And a lot of people understand the word hygge. Uh, the word hygge is Danish uh, and also Norwegian. And hygge is uh, to have a cozy time or a nice time. Kind of like what we're doing now. This is hygge, in a way. Um, and because we have this very dark, um, half the year is quite dark here. Uh, part of the hygge is, is this ritual where you, um, where you light candles and you, and you, you know, fireplace if you have one and, <laughs> we and, light. and you do like co- candles everywhere. Yeah. And you do cozy <laughs> things, you bake and, um, and just try to enjoy being in the moment, um, letting, letting go of, of, of your busy life and maybe just sit down for, for 10 minutes, um, with a cup of coffee. Um, you know, probably by the time you do that, it's already dark. It could be like, three o'clock, four o'clock um, in the afternoon, right? And, and it's all about being in that moment and trying to find some enjoyment in, um, in this time of the year. So the tradition of Advent is very connected to the Scandinavian idea of Hygge um, in a way. We have like these four candles. So every Sunday before Christmas, we light the candle every Sunday. So that's like the countdown to, to Christmas. And then the whole of December goes to you know, baking and washing and preparing mm. for Christmas. And like we never put up the Christmas tree until the 23rd in the evening because that's the traditional yeah. Norwegian way. So you put up the tree on the 23rd and then everything is ready for the 24th, yeah. which is the, the night we get the gifts and celebrate yeah. Christmas. So the idea is to, when you do your Advent on Sunday, the idea is you wait until... The afternoon, so preferably when it's dark outside, like three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> I love that it's dark at three o'clock in the afternoon. You know. Yeah. <laughs> then on the other hand, uh, in the summer it never gets yeah. dark, so we, we do get it balanced. Uh, we bought we bought those uh, lamps, you know, lanterns for the garden, and there's no the, point. The wind took two of them, and I said to Carl, "Why are we buying these things? Because it's never enough in the summer. And yeah. when it's getting dark, then it's too cold. Yeah. So then we're not sitting outside anyway so it's a waste of money yeah it's a dilemma but in the winter we have candles yeah. all over. anyway the idea is you 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 wait until like four o'clock or something and then you sit down with your friends or your family and you light the candle and you enjoy maybe a hot beverage and some cookies and uh, just spend a nice time together you know whether it's half an hour or or one hour or something like that where you kind of let go of everything and you just there um and that is that is for us the tradition of Advent. Um, I don't. I mean, it has religious meaning as well because it's all about waiting for Christmas. Jesus, yeah, but, but in, in, <laughs> we, we forgot that part. Yeah, in Scandinavia, <laughs> it seems like we've forgotten about that, and it's more about the togetherness and the enjoyment of of a quiet time together. I guess. And each of the candles has a significance, right? As in the week one, it was joy, and then joy? there's three more for each of the yeah, Sundays. Week two is hope. And then um, week three is um, in Norwegian is lengsel, and lengsel means longing. So um, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, that's the way we say it in English. Um, so you have joy, joy, you have hope, longing, and peace, which is the first, fourth one. I don't know what you would what you would translate the third one. I 
I love this concept of Higa. Is that did I say that right? Higa, Higa, Higa. yes. Because uh, I don't think we have that exact concept in English, it, or, or do we? Because you have to kind of use a, a number of words to describe it. It's a coziness, it's a togetherness, it's a warmth. And... Well, it's Actually, it's a very interesting concept because it means so many things. It, we each, I mean, in Norway, we also have the word hygge, but we use it differently. Um, in Norway, hygge is a kus, and then in Swedish, it's mis. So each one of our languages, Scandinavian languages, has the... Um, as a different word, you know, our languages are, we can understand each other because um, it's kind of like the same grammar and just some words are different, but they're understandable. But, but hygge or kus can mean so many things. It can be, it can be something that you enjoy as very cozy, but you can also say it as, from, as a, you know, to a person or of a person, like, uh, you know, this person is so hygge. So um, it can be a verb, it can be an adjective. It can mean so many different things, um, but it's always very positive. Um, it is a it is a positive experience, and it is. Um, I don't think I don't think you can use the English cozy in the no. same way. I think that will be more strange, actually. If you meet the you meet the cozy person, or yeah. you met someone on the street and it was cozy, I don't yeah. think you can do that in English. But we can use it in, in, in those ways. We can say that. Uh, oh, we met her yesterday um, randomly on the street and it was so coosely or eagerly to spend a, uh, you know uh, 10 minutes talking to her or she's such a coosely or ugly person so so it's um yeah it's it just describes a lot of things uh, in our in our um, in our culture but it's all moments and the positivity is the tradition of getting a christmas tree on the 23rd is that pretty widespread throughout Norway and Scandinavia, and is that a tradition that continues, or are people starting to get trees earlier and decorate earlier, and do stores decorate earlier? Yeah, I think people are actually also putting the trees up earlier mm. now. I heard, actually, I heard on the radio a guy who sells Christmas tree, and he said it was changing now because people bought their Christmas tree for the first yeah. advent. Hmm. So I think it's changing, and then people throw the Christmas out way too early I yeah think. because we keep it longer so that's the thing the <laughs> because christmas doesn't stop until um, the 13th the third, day. 13th day after christmas yeah. that's the day actually you can keep it to so the, the 20th the sixth, also seventh yeah the 20th because then you have a hugendag knut that's the 20th day knut knut is a norwegian name he is kicking the christmas out yeah. so that's oh. the final but the mo most people who, I mean, if you celebrate it like traditionally, that you put up the tree on December 23rd and, and you throw Christmas out on uh, January, I think it's the 6th, January 6th, That's which is the 13th, 13th day, day. Yeah. And, um, and so Throw it out. Throw it out. <laughs> yeah. And so um, you have what we call the, the first of Advent, and then you have what we in Norway or in Scandinavia call Feriustid, which is the, the time that leads to Christmas. And it's the time when you prepare. Um, so it's all the cleaning, the baking, the enjoyment, uh, the lighting of the advent candles. Then on December 23rd, you you do the tree, and then you have your Christmas celebration, which um, which should last until the the thirteenth day after Christmas. So on the sixth, you would have another meal again to kind of. My father was very particular about that. Yeah. So my parents do the same. He wanted to have a Christmas dinner on the. 
on the, the sixth, the 13th day. Yeah, again, yeah. And because that was like the holy, the biggest holy day. Right. Yeah. And what might a Christmas dinner look like? Uh. <laughs> it depends on where you're from in Norway, because yeah. we have different traditions in different areas. Like my mother, she came from the south, so she had cob for Christmas. And if you're in the north, it's the same. Yeah. And where I grew up and in this area, we have... Uh, the pork ribs? Ribbe. It's like the pork ribs. With a lot of stuff. And if you come from the west coast of Norway, you have lamb. There's this, you know, the rack of lamb, but it's all dried, air dried, and then it's steamed, yeah. uh, which is really nice. And and some people uh, actually do. Well, we like doing the, all of them. So we'll have, <laughs> we'll have one of them for, uh, well, we usually have the traditional from our area, which is the pork for Christmas Eve. And then we'll have the lamb and we'll have the cob in the, the you, other days. And the fish. And the lutefisk, yeah. The That's the fish that is uh, it's been in lying in lye. So it's almost, it's like jello, jello if mm. you don't do it correctly. You, you both like it? You both yeah. like lutefisk? Yeah. <laughs> but lutefisk in, in North America has a, has a very bad reputation. I think that... Yeah. It got... I think it's done the wrong way. Yeah. Because it's... You should have to do it the right. Yeah, way. it's it seems like it came to America <laughs> and then people maybe or North America and then people forgot to um, to cook it right. So we because we've understood a lot of people think it's supposed to be like Jello, but the fish is supposed to be flaky. And uh, my mother so it did is... it, and when my mother did it, it was flaky and it was almost yellow because she did it the old-fashioned way, where you have to clean your stove and you burn birch wood for many many days because you have to collect all the ashes from the birch then when you have enough birch you put that in water and then you take a saw and you slice up dry cod and you put that in the water and then it's laying there for some weeks and you have to change water every three times a day but you can also buy it in the supermarket which is what but we then do. you get the white <laughs> a little easier <laughs> the, the yellow one is better yeah, yeah. i will do that next year on YouTube. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> this might just be an outsider's perspective, but um, does the majority of your neighbors, uh, the, the space that you live in and, and the people who live around you, do they still embody the, 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 the traditions of the holiday as much as you remember as a kid? Like, is it still something which is very, very strong in the culture or has it kind of like uh, diluted over time? I think it's, it's still strong. very strong. It's very strong. Yeah. It's, um, but they start earlier. I mean, and I have insight because I come from, I'm, I mean, my dad is Swedish. I'm Norwegian, but I'm also Swedish. And um, so I've experienced both, uh, both Christmas uh, traditions in Norway and in Sweden. And uh, there's a lot of similarities, but there's a lot of differences too. And um, my feeling is that um, they do keep keep these traditions. Mm. Um, yeah, but they I think do. It's, but, but I think it has changed, but it's still very strong. But like when I grew up, we were very old-fashioned, so we did all the things the way it was done for a hundred mm. of years. So, and that and people don't do that anymore. We hardly do it also, but mm. some, we have some things. That There's some things you do. I mean, you have, you have to do it to make it uh, like a proper Christmas. In Norway, yeah. in Norway, the, the bells ring at, uh, at five in, on Christmas Eve. And, and then you say uh, that the, the, um, the, the peace kind of comes to, comes to mm. you. 
and then um, after that is when you officially start celebrating uh, Christmas. And you know, like for me, I grew up on the farm, so that night we had to be very, very nice with the animals. So on on Christmas Eve, you gave them extra food, and we had the saying that if you weren't kind with your animals, the animals will tell you on Christmas Eve. So we were a little bit afraid when we walked into the barn on Christmas Eve and we were being <laughs> extra with animals and gave them some extra goods and stuff. So, and, and then the young kids, they take porridge out into the barn. If, if you Like we, uh, we celebrate Christmas uh, with Arne's family and, and when the kids were young, they'd bring the, they take the porridge to the barn to, to um, feed them the Christmas elf. It's like a Santa Claus, but not the one like Mm. not the one you know with the red clothes, the Coca-Cola Santa Claus. This is the old Norwegian one, which is grey and small and small. And yeah, I've seen that. It is dangerous if you not careful. Do, do the children embrace Santa Claus these days, or is that is that just strictly a North American kind of thing? Well, that 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 has come also, uh, yeah. yeah. So we have that kind of mixture now, um, especially when they're little kids, and um, mm. and we do celebrate Christmas. Uh, the past years we've been celebrating it with some really close friends, and uh, and there is a small child. And um, a couple of years ago, Arne had to dress up in the red. I've done it two times. <laughs> oh, you got to do that again. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I know that he probably know who who I am yeah. because every yeah. time when the Santa Claus is coming, I'm gone. I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, where did Arne go? And I'm so lucky because he would recognize me immediately because I don't. I speak a mixture of Norwegian yeah. and Swedish. I just do so. another dialect. Yeah, but I can't do that. Do a Swedish dialect. Yeah. And then he know who I was. Yeah. Oh. Over here, like a large part of Christmas is well, especially with a three-year-old. A, b- a big part of our Christmas is the presents part. So, how do a presents work for you guys? And do you buy gifts for one another? And how does it work with like other people in your lives? What's the expectation for presents? This year we had a calendar, calendar. So yeah. we had some small gifts, and I think we have decided to not buy anything this year. Yeah, actually, it's... we don't have we don't give each other gifts every year because. I think we spend so much money traveling. At least we did before, and we buy things for each other and throughout the year, right? For the house. So, so, but, but, and I think that the kid, the gift thing is a um, is, is, is for the kids. Um, unfortunately, though, here in Norway, because of the prosperity, um, sometimes it's too much. So you kind of uh, have your meal, and then you sit down, and you're so full, and you know, every the food is heavy, and you just. And then they start opening the gifts, and then this is endless. And the chaos starts. There's like paper and gifts and toys everywhere. And it goes on for hours. They forgot what they they got. And it's like, no, it's too much. But we, in in our family, we actually stop giving gifts when uh, kids are confirmated. Is that (laughs) After confirmation. Oh, the dogs are fighting. That's okay. We were going to ask about the dogs. How are they doing? Well, yeah, they're good. They want attention now because we're talking to you. So. <laughs> the little one is very fancy and she doesn't like it when the big one comes no, to like us. Like and the big one wants attention because we're talking to you. Sorry. <laughs> is this is Christmas time just your favorite time of the year? Do you just love it? I love it. Yeah. How yeah, do you love it? I like it. Yeah. I, I think it's it, nice yeah. because when 
when the tree is up and you have your Christmas dinner and you're over the gifts thing, especially when we're with people who have a lot of gifts, I think then the Christmas starts. Everything mm. gets quiet. Nice. You have you can read a book. You can go skiing. You, yeah. You don't have. That's the Higa. Anything. That's the Higa. That's Higa. Yeah. And we usually do celebrate it in the countryside, so we're never in the city when it's uh, Christmas. It's it's very nice uh, to be out. And usually we have the snow. We always we have a guaranteed white Christmas yeah. here um, any any year. It is very snowy there, but surprisingly, it's not overly cold normally. Correct? Am I correct in that? I I was reading that Norway, as much as it's incredibly far north, it's kind of shielded as far as the temp, like really cold temperatures are concerned. We're inland Norway. Yeah, it's correct. We have the Gulf Stream and the Gulf Stream hits the entire coast of Norway. So whether you are down in the south of Norway or all the way past the Arctic Circle in the north, you still have a very mild winter with hardly any snow because um, because of the Gulf Stream. We are inland in Norway, though. So we're in the mountains and inland. So we do get snow, quite a lot of it. And we have these spells every year, um, which can be quite cold. So... um, Right now we have around minus twenty, yeah. uh, minus twenty degrees Celsius, which is uh, which is for us very cold. Um, and usually, the temperature will stay like this for. I mean, if you follow like a normal pattern, it will stay like this maybe a week or, yeah, like five six days, and then the temperatures will go back to more more um, normal, like between zero and five minus. And we could live quite high up. In the in the country, in the land, or in the mm-hmm. mountains. Yeah, so, on top of the mountains. So, the time now and and before Christmas and around New Year, that's the coldest period yeah. when you live high up as mm-hmm. we do, and then it gets milder again in like in February. Yeah, well, January, February, but we haven't had minus year. 30. 30. No, it's been a while since. But got... we had when we came here. But things are changing. Yeah. Steve, have you ever been in negative 20 weather before? I don't know. <laughs> I've been in some pretty cold weather when I lived in Colorado. Yeah. Well, the, we have experienced, uh, for example, we've been in New York um, and experienced minus 15. And that was the coldest we've ever experienced in our life. And we can have minus 30 here. So, so it's also different. Uh, the New York cold is uh, humid like, and windy. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And we have a very dry cold and we have no wind. Because we live in, you know, we are usually normally, well, normally, except for (laughs) a while ago. But usually we'll have no wind and it's it's a dry cold. So as long as you dress in layers, it doesn't really. How's your how's your uh, train station coming along? Is it still that place is really cool. (laughs) I mean, I just love that. Have you done anything new to it? Like we should say you live in a you live in an old train station or a train depot, I guess, right? Yeah, this is the room where they had sold the tickets, and it was also a post office. Mm. Oh so man! Constantly, always doing things. The so. last thing that happened was that there was a problem with the foundation in our living room, and the fireplace was collapsing. <laughs> and we love that fireplace so much that this summer we had it all torn up. We tore tore up the floor, and the foundation was redone, and then we rebuilt the. The fireplace and the, the fireplace is so heavy. It's it's it's. I think it's soapstone in English. Yeah, so you can carve it and you can make nice patterns mm-hmm. on it. And it's from the area where I come from. That's like a tradition. So we wanted to have one since it's in my tradition. But the foundation was so bad, so it was almost collapsing. So we had yeah. the whole house been like a mess this summer yeah. because 
because of because this. Because of this. But now it's back and now and, we're ready. And it was <laughs> a lot of it was a lot of money for something that looks exactly or almost exactly the same as it did before. So uh, <laughs> that really hurts because if it's if you're doing like a renovation, uh, then maybe you have something to look forward to if you're kind of upgrading, right? If you're like upgrading your kitchen or your or your bathroom. But in this case, we were repairing and. Um, and it was a serious job. It took like three months to get it all done. So yeah, it was not very nice. But, but it's now nice. it's nice. But we can't go through winter without the fireplace. We have to have that. But not to stay warm because we have we have geothermal heating in in our house and all our floors are heated. So we actually don't need the fireplace. But it is very important, you know, if you could go back to the Higa idea. <laughs> you know, when we're lighting our advent calendars, we have to sit in that living room. And we have to have a fireplace going, no matter how hot it is in in the room. So um, it is very, very important. Uh, it's part. Of, it's part of the whole concept of of sitting. You know, you sit in front of the fireplace with a glass of wine, and you're knitting, and you're lighting your candles, and you're just having a lovely time. You don't need TV. That's it. I'm I'm moving to Norway. It's sold. I'm there too. You're selling it very well, right? <laughs> I think it was back in 2017. It was ranked. Well, I mean, it's always one of the top happiest places to live but i think in 2017 and quite a few other years it's literally been the best place to live or the happiest place to live why do you think that yeah. is yeah like you have a lot of safety like the the way the country is um or like how do you say that so the way yeah yeah the way it's set up the way norway is set up is we have all that wealth from the oil the oil fund is like the biggest fund in the world but it belongs to the people and uh, and here, I think the governments, no matter which government we have, they they invest in in us, in the Norwegians, you know, by providing pretty much everything we need and taking really good care of us. So I think that um, when you have that security, you know that nothing really bad can happen to you if you lose your job or if you if you get sick or or anything. You the I, government really. Takes care, and it's really amazing what what they do. It's like if you go if you go to to the doctor, you have, you have to pay the, uh, for like the first times, but then after a while, when you pay the certain amount, you get the free card. It's called yeah, and then you don't pay. Anything. So in a year, you pay like three hundred dollars in medical mm -hmm. fees, and that's it. And we had a very strange experience a few days ago after that storm. It was a, on the Sunday, was it? And there were people, there was a car outside and someone were knocking on the door and it was two guys from the Red Cross. I think it's called Red yeah, Cross. Yeah, well, they, they were sent they, by the council. They were sent by the council to check up every house. house in the area to see if people got their electricity back, if they had water, if everything was good. Wow. And that's quite amazing, actually, in a yeah. small place like this. Yeah, we, we get a knock at the door and we're like, what is it? Who's there? Go away. No, no don't answer it. <laughs> so we have many. We have actually many examples of 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 things like that. And and then I think that there's also this collective feeling in Norway. You know that everybody should. Well, not not everybody, but most people that that we feel like uh, you know everything's done on a voluntarily voluntary basis. We call it dugnat. You know, like you help each other. Um, and I think, you know, all these kind of that's embedded in the Norwegian culture, the Dugnad, you know, if you, um, you know, even we we have an apartment in, in, in Oslo and, and every year there's a Dugnad, we have to go there and we voluntarily have to kind of uh, clean the public areas and everybody does it. And if you don't go, 
you know, you're an, an embarrassment, um, you know, <laughs> but, but actually that, that actually contributes to a, a quite a, quite a nice place to live because everything is based on this um, voluntary sense of collectiveness. And it's fair, and it's fair to say that most people probably trust the government and turn to the government for what we all should be arguably turning to the government for, but that, that just is a rooted foundation that y you believe that you know that these people are working for you and not in any way trying yeah. to... Yeah, and this is classical for all the um, all the Nordic, all five of them: Iceland, Finland, and Scandinavia, and Sweden, Norway, and Denmark. We have the same system and the same kind of trust, um, and that's why we all rank as as uh, the happiest countries in the world. Um, we're all in the top ten, all Scandinavian or Nordic countries are. And so, you know, if something bad happened, and it's all over in the news, if someone is treated bad by the government. It's, it's so the country is so small. So if something happens, it's a big deal. Yeah. So everybody knows if things happen. Mm. So. Hey, I got something to spring on you. Okay, I'm gonna try to. This is gonna make for some really good audio podcast here. I'm sure. Um, I want to share this screen real quickly and show you something. Here we go. Okay, can you see that? Yes. Oh, nice. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so that's our Christmas tree. That is nothing but all of your Christmas balls. That is, uh, well, so far, because my wife has made 81 of wow. your Christmas <laughs> balls. And so this year, our entire tree is just nothing but your Christmas. Ball. And she's just started working on the uh, Advent balls for this month, too. So I thought you guys might get a kick out of that. And it's already up. It's Very all, nice. We've already put the tree up. Yeah, we just did that the other day. Very nice colors, actually. It's yeah. nice. We have only red and white. They're boring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she does. It's yeah, a great. I think she likes to use. I think it's a good good reason for her to use up some of that scrap yarn because if there's one thing I I think all knitters can agree on is that you probably have a lot of scrap yarn because you, you don't want to throw it away, do you? You can't throw it away. So. No, and if you do, you you're gonna find the yeah. <laughs> If you throw it away, then the next day there's something that gonna that is gonna yeah. come up, then and you look gonna for say, it. "Why did I throw it away?" How many of those Christmas balls uh, have you guys designed? Oh, that's so oh. many. Oh, there's so many. Yeah. It's like it was six, fifty-five for the book. We did twenty-four this year, twenty-four last year. Yeah. We've done twenty-four mini balls, and then we've done we've done balls for different organizations yeah. and magazines. A couple hundred, probably yeah, two two hundred. Do you ever sit down and think, I just can't think of another ball to design? Just endless designs. Well, sometimes it's hard, but yeah. then we have so many old Norwegian patterns. So if you don't come up with anything, go we go through all those old patterns we have mm. because we have a huge collection of old knitting patterns and then you find mm. some inspiration yeah so there's always uh, ideas but yeah sometimes it's not as easy as as it looks uh, so we do have to do a little bit of thinking there's kind of a norwegian or nordic look i think as somebody who doesn't know a lot about this i can identify kind of that old school 70s sweater mm. like of a skier yeah kind of and i can think of, oh that looks very norwegian mm -hmm. and what is it about that what is is it the colors it's um i think it's the the placement of the patterns yeah. the, the the patterns that are used the symbols that are used across the knitwear are the same no matter where you are if you are in in norway or if you're in peru or if you're in in fair isle um oh sorry the um shetland islands uh, 
wherever you are, it's you use the same symbols, but it's the way you use them. Like if you're in in Shetland, they they'll use more colors, and it will go Overnight. across all, in in stripes over. and smaller oh. and smaller designs. And in Scandinavia, we tend to use two, maximum three colors, and then we'll do a larger design, and it will be replicated larger across the chest, and then maybe again mm-hmm. down by the hips uh, if you're if it's a sweater. So it's this very distinct look where the patterns are, the designs are larger. Maybe the color combinations also. Yeah. Because, like, if you see, look at uh, the knitting from Scotland, it's very unitone. Yeah. Sometimes it's like you can hardly see the patterns sometimes because the colors are so close. Mm. But in Norway, you like to see the difference. Like black and white, yeah. for example, red and white. So you use contrasting colors to. Um, or if uh, you have two grays, like like this one. There's two different grays, and and there's one that you can hardly see a darker gray. Mm. But and but then we also we can put a red stripe or something. Well, Originally, the all the patterns, um, all the knitting patterns, at least in Norway, they have religious symbol symbolism. So um, they have different kinds of meanings that um, can be connected to, for example, the eight leaf rose, so the eight pointed star, which is one of the one of the most classical um, knitting patterns there is, and it's used across all cultures. In Norway, it actually stands for resurrection, and uh, that therefore, um, in the past, uh, people, especially in the south of Norway, mm. they would be buried in, um, in, in, in the traditional Norwegian sweaters because of that. But it also means protection, so soldiers would wear these nightshirts. And they had war. the eight-pointed star on yeah. their nightshirts. And then they start to do the sweaters, like in the south, the sweaters with this pattern, the, the X, the and then there was like O in the middle, which is also a religious pattern, but it's kind of, it's a mix of religion and you can probably say the Vikings. Yeah, but it represents life and death. Yeah. It's so the, the sun and the, and the, the cross. Yeah, and the cross is the St. Andrew's mm. cross because he was crucified. But he didn't. He did, he wasn't crucified the way Jesus was crucified. He was crucified on a tilted cross. Hmm. But this you can also see in staved churches from yeah. 1100. That in the construction of the buildings you can see the X and the O. Hmm. So it's very old in Norway. And then I think if you look at more like newer modern, more modern patterns, they are. Actually, you kind of break down the traditional ones, and then you create, you know, you build up new patterns from old. And then um, also back in the past, there was a lot of animals knitted, so dogs and um, and uh, reindeer, and and yeah. So there's a lot of that symbolism too in the um, Scandinavian knitting uh, as well. Yeah. In each of your closets, do you have a large percentage of your own patterns? For your sweaters or do you actually prefer to have other people's designs and patterns on your sweaters we have an archive uh, where we collect so um we collect everything we designed ourselves um and if we, if we have it yeah because we, pro- we have produced so many things so like before when we were in the fashion industry with those we have we have the prototypes mm. and uh, that's quite a lot but these are knitted in peru on the in knitting machines and very thin yarn yeah. and then what we've done the late the latest years we we hardly have anything because it's we do the design and we send it we send it to for example england and then they mm. make the patterns and they knit it so, yeah, so we, we have a huge amount of old pieces we buy in yeah we collect shops. we collect vintage and old knitwear 
So we have a lot of that, but usually nothing, not much that we designed ourselves. And it's actually quite rare. Uh, lately, lately, actually, when we've been recording YouTube uh, episodes, I have actually been wearing some of our archival pieces from when we were in the fashion industry from in, in knitwear. Uh, but it's actually quite rare nowadays because um, they're shrinking for some <laughs> very difficult. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, actually, we we re rarely wear our own designs um, otherwise. So. We like wearing the old, the old clothes or the old sweaters that we collect. Mm -hmm. You have we, too we much design work to do. We don't have time to do all the things. Mm -hmm. So well, it would be kind of like a rock band wearing their own T-shirt, right? True. So, <laughs> yeah. True. For example, Arne is wearing right now um, a really beautiful piece that uh, we bought in Florence. Uh, there's, um, and it's Norwegian. It's Norwegian, yeah. And there's a trade show in Florence for for um, yarn. It's like um. It's a professional show where all the yarn developers go and then all the companies go. And, and they usually have a really nice exhibition area where some of the best uh, vintage stores in Italy um, do their, um, they have stands. So and you can buy stuff there. And obviously when Italy is always the best for everything. So when you go to these amazing kind of stands with, for vintage, you can find some pretty incredible stuff. And we found this sweater um, in one of them and it's and it's Norwegian so that's always nice so we had to have it are you just always having conversations between each other about the patterns that other people are wearing I mean like oh hey look that's a this and it's a... <laughs> sometimes you see something it's like something someone who make like something new and it's not yeah. because we have the originals <laughs> in our archives mm. because we have so many old books and patterns and it's really hard to come up with something. Yeah, new. So, yeah. so when we do design work, we also have, we have to look through these things because we don't want to have don't want to do something that is like too close yeah. to what we already seen. So, what inspires you to buy a sweater such as the one you're wearing? We could use that as an example. Uh, what about that did you like? And let me describe it for people listening to this. It's blue and white with. I guess X's and some like, jagged lines running horizontally. You are, you're drawing such a picture, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but what? What about that? Said I got to buy this. It was it was eye catching and, yeah. and unusual um, because you haven't seen the pattern before, and it's it's kind of X and O pattern. The but it's but at the same time the the same at the same time the X's. Because they're in blue, and then you've got the the O's in in white. They actually create these rhombs, so you can see like a white romb, and it's space. But we know the meaning of this pattern, and we know what it is. It's just a very unusual way of putting together the the design of it that was just extremely yeah. eye catching. And it's also knitted on thicker yarn, so yeah. it's not so typical Norwegian. I think it's from the sixties. Probably, yeah, I agree. Fifties or sixties. I think sixties. Yeah. So, and we have we didn't seen it before, so we had had to have it. While I was researching this podcast, I came across a video where you talked about making your own sweater, and for the first time in a very long time, I felt incredibly inspired to give it a try. So, my question to you is going to be: someone who has zero knitting experience, getting to the point where I would be able to knit a sweater for myself. How, how much runway do I have there? How much is involved? For, and, and, and for anybody else who's listening, who get, all of this is coming off of I'm pushing away 
from fast fashion and just trying to get away from like, and I would love to have pieces which are meaningful and much more long lasting. And the thought of making it myself really, really, you know, excites me. So is it a silly dream and it's like, you don't have time for that? Or is this actually something that I could pursue? I think you can do it. I think because it's actually not so hard. I think today, you know, every, there's so much knitting going on in the world. And I think people are actually get, get, making it harder and harder. Mm, yeah. Everything, everything has to be done from a written pattern or something. And like when, when we grew up, people were knitting, like they, they saw something and they made it. Yeah. And all the old patterns, they had maybe three sizes. <laughs> And I have patterns from my grandmother where she actually had written down numbers she needs for her garment and mm. the numbers my grandfather needed for his garment. And my mm. grandfather was much bigger than the biggest size. And my grandmother was somewhere in between the smallest and the medium. Mm. But, but she had, she knew she made a swatch and she just knitted some stitches and then she, she knew how many stitches she needed for her size. And then you just, you need to knit and know how to knit and how, how to do pearl That's, or the ribbing. Yeah. And then you, the rest is easy. It should be easy, yeah. And, and I think and a, a big problem nowadays is that there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions. And I think that... They keep, <laughs> no. <laughs> they just, just overcomplicate everything. They just make it sound uh, like it's rocket science or, you know, I don't know. They want to make it more important than what it is. But it's actually just knitting and it's just... You're creating a fabric, and um, yeah. and that's the that's what I you know what drew me into into the world of of knitting design uh, is the idea that not only are you making a, a garment design, but you're also creating a fabric at the same time, and uh, and um, you just have to learn the principles of of um, of that of how to how to knit how to knit the fabric, and then how to construct a, a sweater, and it's not very difficult. It's a rectangle. Um, you can actually measure on something you have if you have a garment you like yeah. if you like the volume on that garment just measure and see how much you need and then you cast on stitches mm. based on that and it's pretty much two rectangulars yeah. rectangles sewn to each other with two more rectangles for sleeves you just need to figure out the length of the of the armhole the the, the width of the chest um and the length of the sweater that you want and 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 that's it pretty much and when you cast on stitches what for the body and the sleeves remember if you have a rib that is two and two you have to add when you finish like you start knitting the garment the body and the sleeve you have to add that extra stitch to get a center so you have a center in the front and a center in the back and the center of the sleeve so you know and then you look at the, the chart of the pattern you want on your sweater and you find where is the center and then you just count and mm. then you know where to start in that report mm. this way you can balance the pattern and it will be easy so chad now the challenge is on next time we have arnie and carlos on the show you have to have a yeah. sweater to show them that i wanted made. to put it out there because i actually wanted to have it be like be accountable to you too. Uh, See, because I really was. It. it was that video. Uh, it was one of your more popular videos on your channel, and it's literally like like the basics, the most basics, how to knit. I think is the name of it, or something like that. And you literally, over the course of a twelve minute video, go through and show how to do this and that. And by the end of that video, um, 
you had knitted like a little swatch. And even though it was a little swatch, it started as a bunch of yarn. And I don't know what it was about that visual and just you talking about how easy it was. And at the end, you had a little something that now looked like the beginning of, and it, it was so inspiring. And I'm the type of person that when I come across something like this, I challenge myself to do it. Do you think that more people would knit like if they got, if they literally just got past that, like, oh, it's something I don't know. It's something I don't know how to do. So I, I just like, it's this huge learning curve. How am I going to figure out my size or da 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 If more people just kind of give it a try. I don't recommend starting with a sweater, but um, I know, we know, because our Christmas ball book, it came out in 2010. And it, first it was released in Norway and the year after it was released worldwide. And we know that a lot of people learn how to knit because of that book, because the Christmas balls are so achievable, you know, it's instant gratification and you don't have to be, you don't have to know how to knit and you don't have to know how to do color work, but you can buy the book, you can sit down and uh, in the course of a few days, uh, you can actually knit a ball without having mm -hmm. any experience, not necessarily one with patterns, but one in just one plain color. Um, and then... And then from there, you can then move on to, to bigger and bigger projects. But I think that the, 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 the fun thing about that project is it's, it's instant gratification because if you succeed with one, you know that the sweater is almost around the corner. You just need to get a little more experience. And that's what it feels like. I, I know that your most popular video is about making the easiest sock. And I think just a sock sounds kind of easy and approachable because it's just a big tube, as it were. There's no sleeves <laughs> and collars and all of the rest. Um, uh, is that? Uh, do you believe that that's the most popular video simply just because it really sounds like a attainable project that someone can do? Yeah, I think people like easy. Yeah. So if you yeah. put easy <laughs> in the title, in the title, you get a movie. Incredible, huh? <laughs> but, but back in that was actually one of the earlier videos. We had no idea, um, you know, that we could write a catchy title and get a lot of views. So I do think that people look at it also as something that is achievable. That is, um, yeah, instant gratification. They can do it and they can do it fairly quickly. It's not something that is going to take you months and months to complete. You know, even for like if it's, if it's a basic sweater, it's easy. Yeah. If you do it. If, you do, if, if it's not like a lot of details, details, if it's like a basic Norwegian sweater, it's easy. Mm. This is very easy. Okay, I'm, I'm going to call you out on something here. On your 55 Christmas balls to knit, I wouldn't have known this, but uh, apparently, correct me if I'm wrong, Carlos is holding a crochet hook on the cover. That's correct. He's doing the... <laughs> I'm doing the hanging loops. The hanging loops. The... Oh, okay. So you're not you're not knitting with a crochet hook because that would just no, be no, wrong. No, no, no. <laughs> because you need a crochet hook to do the chains, okay. so that you can make a loop to so you can hang the balls. Gotcha. And who's who can make those balls the uh, faster? Arne. How long does it take? Arne. He it Depends. takes him three times uh, less than me. Wow. <laughs> I can do it in one hour. One hour. One is hour. that just speed or is that because you knit slightly differently than the way Carlos knits? I'm, no, I think we knit the same way, but I, I've been knitting longer. Experience, mm. yeah. So it's fairly quick. And you are Actually. very fast. Can you knit without looking at it? Like blindfolded? Could you knit one of those balls? I could if I... I think I could. I can't. I have to look, which is... I was knitting in the dark when I was a kid. 
because I was always working on sweaters and and if I did something very traditional, I remember the pattern. And then my parents said, you have to go to bed because you're going to school tomorrow. So turn the light off and go to bed. And then I turned the light off and I was knitting a few rounds in the dark before I fell asleep. Yeah, because you memorized the pattern. Because yeah, then I just remember where I was on the pattern and you had like something. So you remember where to start. And then I could knit. Yeah, in the I, dark. I can't do that. I mean, not many people can, uh, can do that. So... Uh... Can I suggest that would make a great? <laughs> I was just going to say the the blindfold Arne, knitting Arne challenge. Knits in the dark, or yeah, blindfolded knitting. <laughs> no, you should try oh, well, maybe we should yeah, do that. That's a good idea. Thanks for the tip. <laughs> that would be really fun to watch. Hey, you guys just did a live stream recently on a different channel. What was what was that all about? Uh, we're working with uh, Prim. Prim is a company. It's actually with. <laughs> It's actually the oldest company in the world. They were founded in 1530, and they are actually very well known for making buttons, but they do make all these um, knitting equipments, needles and... and uh, also things for sewing yeah. and crocheting. So and we've been collaborating with them for a couple of years now, and they invited us to do um, a live stream on their, on their channel, and we thought that, you know, we hadn't done that before, so <laughs> why not? It was, it was fun. It was nice. And you guys have really long format videos on your channel, like an hour long to sit and knit for a bit and that they aren't live streams. Is there, do you just want to really make sure that you can control the editing on those? Is that why you don't do that as a live stream? No, it's, it's more a time thing. Um, so we usually record the sit and knit for a bit, a couple of days before we air it, but so that we can guarantee that there is going to be one every Wednesday. We've had to pre-record a couple of days in advance but actually we very very rarely edit them anyway so if you go there and if you look at uh sitting it for a bit it's still just in one take um, most of the time sometimes like maybe two three times we said something really stupid and then we have to tell eric that can you please try to do yeah. something because we're not filming two times yeah like, we don't do that we just put up the camera and we talk and but but that's actually quite rare i mean yeah. it's ha it's happened a couple of times yeah. 20 and we actually had covid but we didn't know it and uh, we were doing the we were doing our, our podcast and it was pre-recorded and arna kept coughing and it sounded really horrible and we just wouldn't believe that it was COVID. I think so, someone wrote. So I said are. to Eric, I said to Eric uh, afterwards, um, it's not COVID. So could you just, <laughs> could you just edit out all the coughing? Uh, and then, and then after we were, we were diagnosed with it. So it was like, oh, okay. It was, okay, it was, it was, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And, but other than, I mean, no, we usually don't edit anything anyway. So it's more of a time thing. Um, and now we're struggling because uh, we're traveling more than what we were last year. So we don't really know how the sit in it for a bit is going to continue uh, next year. I mean, it will, but we might have to cut down. It was easy when you were in quarantine. Yeah. But if things go back to normal, then it will be harder. Is it going to change at all for you guys? Like, I know you were really, really active and you traveled quite a bit before COVID. Has this changed that i know clearly you probably want to get back to traveling but to the same degree or has has any of that changed yeah i mean we always move with the times so um if you look at what we did 20 years ago and then if you look at what we did 10 years ago and then if you look at us now um we evolve um which i think is very important to evolve and renew yourself so um we were traveling a lot until the pandemic and i think that we're ready for um for something new now um we don't know what it is but uh 
something new. But, uh, but I don't think I I don't feel like doing workshops so much. No. Like because we've done that so many times now and. I find it, I, it's a bit hard, actually, sometimes. Yeah. But we're thinking of things. I mean, we've already mentioned it to our viewers that, you know, one thing that we would like to do is take our sit in it for a bit show live and, and travel tour, tour and, and, and do That's fantastic. Oh, that's a cool yeah. idea. I think that that's the strength of your channel is your storytelling ability and just your ability to sit and... <laughs> talk for an hour and knitting is part of that but it's not really the focus of what you do and i think yeah. that that's uh, does does youtube still excite you making those videos yeah yeah i think we enjoy it i mean yeah. it, it's uh it's a lot, a lot of work but i think it's kind of fun also i think i like actually the same that knit for a bit most because yeah. Yeah. It's less hassle, but we have to do it every week, so it's more work in a way. But mm. when we do the the Sunday videos, it's uh, I think that's harder because yeah. then we have to film during a week and many many films mm. because the film team they live in Oslo, yeah. So they have they're coming up here and we and then we also have to prepare a lot of things to have some something to show, which also is a lot of work. Mm. So. But it's given us a lot of possibilities. I mean, again, when we started the YouTube channel five, six years ago, and where we are now is is two completely different mm -hmm. places. So, um, so I think that we're gonna. I mean, we've we've experienced the pandemic, and we've I mean, we've experienced what it was like um, traveling like crazy. I mean, the year in 2019, we traveled for 78 consecutive days in North America. We were on a very long tour, and I don't think we'll ever do that again for sure. <laughs> Um, and, then, and then the pandemic, you know, from one year to the other, we weren't traveling at all. And now we're we're finding a little, we're trying to see how how we can travel less but do more in a way. And 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 it's going to be very interesting to see what what happens in 2022 or 2023 when the world opens up again. Or maybe we can bring more people to Norway. Yeah, that's also and do something in Norway yeah. because we know that. Doing for sometimes doing a knitting retreat in America, for example, can be more way more expensive than going to Norway and meet mm -hmm. us. So we have had people telling us that being on cruises in Norway, knitting, yeah, cruises, knitting cruises, and it's actually cheaper coming to Norway mm. and spend a week on a boat with us. You guys really are the rock stars of knitting in the knitting world, aren't you? Do you do you embrace that a lot? Do you like it when people you know come up to you and say, "Oh my God, you guys are my idols"? Yeah, I think it's nice. I mean, it's very. It makes me, yeah. I mean, it's, it's cool. It, this, was it, this summer we went to see a stave church on the west coast, and there was like a couple, two couples from Belgium, and the two women were knitters, and they were like, "You must be the knit the Christmas ball guys." And, I took the picture area. and gave them tips of being a tourist in Norway and stuff. No, I think, yeah, it's nice. It's really nice. People come up and they're so happy to meet us and uh, and they talk to us and they want to have a picture taken. And um, I think it's lovely. I mean... Uh, and we like to talk to people. So, mm, yeah, that's fantastic. nice. That can be a problem. They ask these things and they don't, <laughs> we don't let them go. <laughs> well, we love talking to you Anytime you want, and it's been fantastic, especially talking about your Christmas traditions in Norway. Are you guys going to, do you experience kind of a letdown after it's all over, after like a full month of Christmas stuff? Do you kind of feel like, ah, I kind of wish it was still happening? 
it's kind of hard like in in like in the middle of january then you just want spring to come yeah or you want easter because mm. then you know you have a very cold and dark period mm. and but you know we start we, we still light candles and fireplaces in the winter mm, yeah. so, it's, <laughs> so it's never dark indoors but yeah. But it is a busy month. I mean, you go from the pre-Christmas mood and the preparations and the Advent to Christmas Eve. And then you have the days between Christmas and New Year. And then you have New Year, which I'm not a very big fan of. Um, and usually we are sleeping before midnight. Another day. Yeah. By that time, by the time uh, it's all over, it's kind of nice to just get back into into something, but that's also the time in the year when we have the best weather for skiing here, cross country. So we'll be we'll be out a lot in January on our skis. And um, Olympics are coming up too. Do you do you like to watch the uh, the biathlon? I, know, I think Norway is one of those countries that just excels at cross country skiing. Well, it is Nordic skiing, right? Yeah, we're very sorry we're about very all the medals. Very sorry about all the medals. But we not we never watch it. No, 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 hardly never. But we hear it on the radio. Yeah, it's on the radio and the news mm. all the time. When January first comes around, do you guys have? Are you guys going to set some resolutions, or is that something you don't really do? Looking forward to the new year. We always set resolutions, and then uh, we break them. Yeah, <laughs> everybody does. Yeah. Because I think for for New Year, I think it's nice. Like if you if you have a quiet time on the New Year's Eve, and you can actually have good food again, and you have wine and fireplaces and candles and stuff and then you can actually go through the whole year yeah, I, li back. I like to memorize and think mm. and look back what happened actually mm. this year and then we also have those notebooks so we can go through the notebooks and see mm. where were we last year <laughs> <laughs> so i would be remiss if i didn't say this because my wife wanted me to ask you what was your modeling experience like for your uh she said you modeled the patterns for your rowan collection oh yeah that was oh, fun oh, yeah. that was because of covid we couldn't have the crew up here like we had, couldn't have models and stuff so we had one guy he came to take the pictures and then we had to be the models and the stylist and, and the makeup and the hair everything <laughs> yeah it was yeah it was i mean we've done Different. this we've done this so many times i mean we worked with rowan uh for a few years now the yarn company and we've been doing uh photo shoots with them and when we we're in the fashion business we did tons of photo shoots so we know we know how to work uh in that kind of environment with photographers and models and stylists and all of that but this was really a, a very different experience because it was just us and the photographers and we had to kind of actually we had to we had to execute everything that we've actually learned from experience you know how the model is supposed to move and how you're gonna show off the garment and um i don't know i think we did a Pretty good job. Yeah, but most of the models were women's size. Yeah, that, bit, that was a problem. A little bit too small. <laughs> we had to so, squeeze into so all these into women's samples. And I think that I think Rowan oh, liked okay. it, so they talked about sending the next collection also up yeah. to us, and we could have one photo shoot here as well next year. Yeah. No, but it was fun. It was. It was. Uh, I, I've always loved creating the image and building up a story. So we had. Because we were launching this new yarn, uh, we had designed a very kind of classic collection, but it's inspired by what we call the, um, the golden age of the Norwegian ski sweater, which is kind of like no, uh, Norwegian winter sports in the 50s and 60s. And, and then we built a whole concept around that and we went out and we got all this um, 
all these vintage skis and vintage ski boots. And uh, we wanted to make it uh, kind of those happy ads, you know, for products uh, that are done outdoors, um, were done outdoors in the in the 50s and the skis and all that. So it was, it and was the mod- fun. And the modeling didn't went to our heads, so, but <laughs> we, we're not getting out of bed unless we get paid a certain amount. Like, we can expect to see you on Norwegian Vogue. Right, right on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Maybe. <laughs> no, there's another magazine called V Over 60. Yeah, that one. It's for the elderly people. Yeah, We Over 60. <laughs> we Over 60. You might see some cover in a few years. Yeah. <laughs> but we have been on the cover of the Japanese Nihon Vogue, which yeah. is the Vogue knitting magazine. So, I mean, it's not nice. that far. And I'm coming back, but only me. I'm going to be the cover boy. Maybe he's really just our neck. What? They don't want you, Carlos? No, uh, only me with a hat with a hat that I pull down so you can only see my glasses. Yeah. I don't think it's good. I think my modeling career is over yeah. when I post <laughs> a picture where I can see me. Mm. So, yeah. but it's the highlight of my modeling career. Yeah. If you would like to learn more about the amazingly well-designed world of Arne and Carlos, you can find them on YouTube by searching for Arne and Carlos. Looking for knitting patterns, yarn, or some fancy Arne and Carlos merchandise? Head over to arneandcarlos.com. You can also watch their videos there. If you want to contact us here at Chad and Steve Have a Podcast, you can email us, Chad, or nope. Not Chad. Not Chad. Hi. <laughs> I always see, I'm the one who forgets our email address. Oh man, we're not we're never gonna be able to do like a proper <laughs> outro. If you want to contact us here at Chad and Steve Have a Podcast, you can email hi at chatandsteve.com, say hello, recommend a guest, or share your holiday traditions with us. Uh, you didn't have to listen all the way through to the end of this podcast, but you did. And here we are, right at the end. And for that, we would like to thank you. It's listeners like you who make us love doing this podcast so very much, and we appreciate you. Thanks for listening, everyone.